Welcome to Hacking the Dark, a podcast featuring Forge in the Dark games and their designers. I'm Justin, and today I'm going to be introducing Lori O'Connell of Hieronymus. Uh, welcome, Lori. How are you? Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. You've been a part of the Blades in the Dark Discord for a little while, and it's been good to see you designing Hieronymus kind of with us on the, on the Discord. I'm curious, is Hieronymus your first foray into game design? No. So um, actually, my first game was was Lichcraft. That was the first thing I, I properly designed. That's right. Which is a little RPG. I would call it Forge in the Dark Light in that all it really carries over is D6s. Mm-hmm. And that is an ongoing project for me because I ended up kickstarting it in February. And since then have been kind of running to, to keep up with getting that all sorted out. But Hieronymus is my second project. Yeah, I'm happy to have backed Lichcraft uh, and looking forward to getting my zine eventually. No hurry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. That said, you're fairly new to the design process in terms of indie games, it sounds like. Because Lichcraft just, you know, was designed in the last year or so plus. Can you tell me what inspired you to get your start, I suppose, in game design? That is a good question. I would love to say a lot of free time, but Mm -hmm. I actually don't have a huge amount of free time. I think Uh over the last year, I started to play some indie games and that was really what kind of inspired me to to design stuff. So I, I picked up Blades in the Dark. I started running that. I started playing and running a game called Sixth Edition by John Battle Bats, um, which is Uh, a fantastic game that that you should look up. You'd recommend it? Yes. I had my eye on it, yeah. To me, it seems like it's it's a fantasy heartbreaker without it being like a serious attempt at a fantasy heartbreaker, which which I really kind of strikes a a chord for me so i'll have to pick it up it's very it's very Mm -hmm. simple um but it is what made me want to start designing games because i was playing it and i was like oh you know you can do interesting stuff you can make people feel a certain kind of a way just with the way that you phrase and design rules you can make people play a certain way and i never really thought about game design that way before uh so that made me want to basically start designing and then after that I just did. I just wrote a game and people liked it a lot more than I would have expected them to. So I kept writing. <laughs> it sounds like then you joined the, the Blades in the Dark Discord pretty early on whenever you thought you might want to design something related to it, even in a little bit, even if it's just a D6. <laughs> what spurred your interest in Blades in the Dark in particular? Well, okay. So I'll be honest, it's because when I played D&D and only D&D, I only played mm-hmm. rogues and I love to play rogues. And I love that kind of style of, of, of play, basically. I love the sort of thieving, sneaking, scoundrels. And Blades in the Dark is yeah. the game for that. And I didn't really know a huge amount about the design, but I listened to a few podcasts and streams. I wish I could remember their names. And certain things really intrigued me uh, about listening to people yeah. play the game. I love listening to people like negotiating position and effect. Uh, that was something that was really interesting to me. I loved clocks and devil's bargains and all of that really drew me to the game. I'll admit when I joined the Discord, I immediately muted all of the channels except for the general one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there was so much uh, and I had no clue about hacking at the time, but then 
You know, I eventually ended up having a look in, in the hack channels and it was just very inspiring, to be honest. Yeah, my dirty little secret is I can't be on a Discord without muting every channel. So I just <laughs> just kind of have to engage it when I have the energy and free time. So I don't blame anyone for, for that, that's for sure. I do really love the hack channels, yes, but uh, and I check on it frequently, but it can be difficult to hear that sound coming from my phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to tamp down on that. Well, to me, that kind of portrays you as someone who has like a lot of initiative and or at least excitement for design right now. I'm curious to know, like you said you were listening to some actual plays and, and streams and stuff. Is there anything about like the energy behind kind of indie design right now that that infected you? Is there a particular community that inspired you to kind of get involved with with this kind of stuff? It strikes me like with a lot of actual play media and what have you right now, there's a lot more examples of people designing on the fly that people can have access to and see that I don't remember ever having until like I joined a meetup where it was a, you know, that was a thing here in Seattle. But is there something about the atmosphere right now behind indie design that that kind of grabbed you? Um, I think there is definitely something to the atmosphere of, of indie design. Like it is really taking off. I think partially just because RPGs in general are taking off and I kind of right. wish indie design was taking off quite as much uh, <laughs> as, you know, yeah. certain other RPGs are, but nevertheless it is. So there's a, there's a growing community, which I really like. I'm lucky enough to have some friends who have really amazing heads for designing games and are really positive too. So when I got started, John Battle Bats, who, who wrote Sixty, was incredibly encouraging when I posted mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, they actually like reviewed Lichcraft when it first came out and did like a really Ooh. lovely review for it <laughs> and like bought it for twice the price of, of its asking price on itch. And I was there like, you know, when you put your first game out there and you, you like watch the itch notifications. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I had yes, that I do. like and some fantastic <laughs> reviews and just fantastic people being very encouraging. So I found kind of a positive section of, of indie game design space, which is pretty rare, I think, to find on the Internet. Yeah, I, I mean, Twitter can be either or, you know, at any time. But that said, it's still a place where you can see examples of people creating. So there, there it has that going for it. I certainly engage with it probably more than I should. And but. then, yeah, there's also <laughs> the hack channels, which are amazingly positive. You know, yes. you post something in there and you just get like praise and helpful advice at the same time, which is very rare, you know, so, so that's something that really sparked me off. And then I'm very lucky in my area in the UK. Okay. I am, you know, around a group of people who have amazing thoughts about, about games and game design in general. And I'm actually working on a collaboration with a bunch of really fantastically smart people right now. <laughs> so yeah, I just feel like I'm very lucky to have been surrounded by so many people who think so much more deeply about games than I possibly could. Yeah, I, I try not to ask leading questions, but I suspected just like pretty much most everyone I know who's designing indie games that <laughs> that there was something behind that uh, in terms of like a, a communal energy, because that's certainly the case for me and a lot of the other people on the Hack channel. And yes, please go go seek out the Hack channel in our in our uh, podcast notes if, if you're looking to design some Forge and Dark games, because very positive energy there. So I have you on here to talk about 
a game, Hieronymus, which is a name that many people might know, but they might not expect exactly <laughs> how it comes into play with, with your Forged in the Dark game. Would you give us a little uh, rundown of Hieronymus? Yes. Oh, well, first of all, Hieronymus, it was a mistake to use a word that was so difficult to spell as the title for a game. Mm -hmm. But Hieronymus Bosch, if people have heard of him, he's a medieval artist who painted these really fascinating, horrible, surreal landscapes. They're very crowded, they're very busy landscapes uh, full of stuff going on. It's really hard to explain. You should really go and Google them. <laughs> Google him. You should. He's like a medieval Where's Waldo. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically. Like that, but more horrifying. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> uh, lots of kind of religious imagery, lots of images of hell. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I really like about it is how in every kind of section of the paintings there's something going on. But they're, because of that, they're quite difficult to, to look at and process. So part of the thought process behind Hieronymus was basically, what if this was a hex crawl and you just kind of moved through it and you kind of processed every hex differently? So the premise, that was a long lead in, but the premise of Hieronymus is you are sort of characters from the Middle Ages. You're experiencing kind of a disaster, a catastrophe in your life uh, where you have had to flee from this astral terror uh, called the Follower, who basically follows you through these horrifying painting-inspired worldscapes that you're fleeing through, uh, and then eventually will catch up with you. Uh, and it's all a complicated metaphor for the death agony of feudalism, uh, but it's also just a, a fun game, a fun experience, I think. I think so too. It, I if anyone is uh, intimidated by that, I, I think that <laughs> I was really attracted to the idea of Hieronymus because it actually seemed so simple, like Hieronymus Bosch paintings as a map, as a, as a hex crawl map, which at its core is just kind of a really attractive and, and fun idea. Tell me, how has the sense of place in Hieronymus, there's a really obvious way in which you portray that, you know, by turning a literal painting into a map. But how has that evolved from conception to now like release of the game or, or coming on the release of the game? I think I always started with wanting to use the maps, wanting to use the paintings as a map. Actually, like the first thing that I did when I was designing Hieronymus is like put a hex over a painting and put it on Twitter and see how many likes it got. Um, <laughs> And then I was like, huh, yeah. this is interesting. Maybe I should make a game out of this. Uh -huh. I think what I was trying to do with it is there's this kind of interesting contradiction where you're, you're going through these worldscapes, but everything is very unfamiliar and strange. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to understand what is going on in the paintings. Yes. So it is supposed to be a strange place. It's not supposed to be something that you understand or necessarily recognize. And it's these people, they are not from these worldscapes. They have kind of fled into them and they're trying to process this almost unreal strangeness of these worldscapes. Is there something about the act of like artistic interpretation that you you find kind of fascinating in this regard? Does that do you feel find that that adds something to the fiction 
that people create that the Hieronymus Bosch paintings are so ambiguous in some ways, to especially to modern eyes, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it is amazing. I've seen a few people posting like play reports of Hieronymus mm-hmm. and saying kind of what they do, like how they interpret it, all of the various bits of the painting. And it is, it is really amazing what people come up with. And it just goes to show how fantastic these paintings are because so, there's so much crammed in there that you can draw meaning <laughs> out of like a centimeter worth of the painting. But yeah, I mean, for example, once someone posted a play report where they were saying, oh yeah, so we came to this like a small building, like a tin, like cylindrical building with a ladder going up to the top and a bunch of people arguing inside the building that was in in the painting. And they had to try and figure out what they were arguing about. And they came up with the idea that like, the, the thing that they were arguing about is which way is up. And they were arguing about it because it turned out that when you went up the ladder, you actually couldn't come down it. (laughs) <laughs> because both ends of the ladder were up uh-huh as a group they decided to just get themselves completely stuck on this ladder that was like eternally going up and there was no down and i just found like it's so, it, it really gets the idea of what the painting is going for but it's also like so right. imaginative and so original <laughs> I, now i'm just imagining the fun of sliding up a ladder one thing I've run into whenever ever I've played with art interpretation in game design, which I've actually done a couple times, mm-hmm. is you do occasionally get the person who is a little literal in their thinking uh, or who maybe knows a little too much about the subject. It has Have you ever had any medievalists or like scholars of Dante's Inferno <laughs> who have just kind of had a difficult time engaging with that part of the game? I haven't. I mean, I can imagine, like, I can imagine it happening, but I also think that, like, Hieronymus Bosch was pretty impenetrable to even Hieronymus Bosch's contemporaries. I mean, this is a guy Uh who, I mean, this is a guy who got away with basically blasphemy against the church because his paintings were just so difficult to understand (laughs) that, you know, he got away with basically putting them in cathedrals and, you know, realistically, all of these paintings a really kind of a ruthless critique of feudal society, especially the church. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't twig it at the time. And I do have a feeling that you would struggle to find like a very literalist historical interpretation of these paintings. I'm sure it can be done. <laughs> um, yeah. But I haven't had that experience, actually. Mm-hmm. Not yet. That's fair. <laughs> Maybe just a little too absurd for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you heard of any people with intentions to hack Hieronymus uh, to include other artistic works. That would be interesting. I haven't heard of oh, anyone yeah. doing it, but if I was going to do it, I would do it with Bruegel the Elder's really busy paintings. And I've seen, I saw that someone posted on, on Twitter, like they posted like a Bruegel the Elder painting with a hex grid over it. So if that counts <laughs> as hacking Hieronymus, <laughs> then I have seen someone I... do it. <laughs> I mean, that's the concept for the game, right? So yeah. that's the original concept. I, I think it probably counts. I would love to see a Hieronymus jam that's just people posting the same hex grid over various images. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time when I was writing it, we did actually do a jam for it called the Paintings Jam, mm-hmm. which was all games inspired by paintings and pieces of artwork. 
So I don't think anyone else did a hex crawl, but a lot of people did do similar stuff. So a really good friend of mine, Kristen, she wrote a game that was like a point crawl through Chinese, la like these beautiful Chinese landscape paintings. And a lot of people did games based on like Piranesi, Piranesi's <laughs> architecture. So there, there have been, you know, there have been lots of games that have been kind of inspired by art that came out of that same game jam. Yes, and, and now that I think of it, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the author, but I did see a Where's Waldo RPG sometime after, come up on itch sometime after Hieronymus, so I wonder, it makes you wonder if there's some connection there. I don't know that it was a point crawl, <laughs> but, st but still. So moving on to kind of our topic, though I suppose we've been touching on it, you did start with Blades in the Dark before going on to develop Hieronymus. Um, and I wonder how you feel, you know, the hex crawl format is something we classically think of in, in terms of OSR games or in terms of D&D as a mechanism for, for navigating a world map. What do you think Blades in the Dark has to say about that kind of spatial navigation? Because it is an element of the game even if there isn't like a tactical grid or an overworld map, so to speak, but, but the maps do play a part of the game. Is there any aspect of that that you'd like to touch on and, and that it's inspired you when you played the game? I mean, maps in Blades in the Dark, I think they do a very different thing because yeah. when you're playing Blades or when you're, I've actually never played, but GMing Blades. Um, yes, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I think, I mean, I personally, I always have like the city map up in front of me and I'm like looking at it and like saying, okay, well, where in the city would this be? What's the vibe of this area? What do people, what are people like in this area? What are the potential problems? Who's strong here? Who's weak here? Right. So you almost are using a map as some way to kind of guide the fiction, but that's very different from using it as sort of like, these are the fixed geographical areas that you are traveling through, right. uh, which I've never done in, in, in Blades in the Dark. I've never been like, okay, you need to go right and then left onto this street and that street, uh, and there you'll find the cathedral. Because that just doesn't seem to be how the maps are set up, and I also don't think it would really work for that kind of fiction-first gameplay. Right. I think it would be a different thing, that's for sure. That said... Hieronymus is a Forge in the Dark game. So I'm wondering, besides the initial concept, what about the hex crawl format really like attracted you? Or what made you want to explore it? Was it just the opportunity or that you could? I mean, <laughs> if you can, you why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the first rule of game design. Just do it. Otherwise, it will be in your head for the next several weeks. But no, I mean, honestly, some of the things that I have to admit about Hieronymus, which I think would be really bad to admit about any other game, but I think you're allowed to say it for this one, is that it was mm -hmm. largely designed around the aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's because it's a very visual game. Like, every, everything yes. about it is, like, you're, you look at it and you are made to feel a certain kind of way, or I hope so. And one of the things about the hex crawl that I really like is that putting a hex grid over a painting helps you to break it down in your head so you can start to process the every single hex slightly differently and you can start to kind of chop it up and understand what is going on in the painting in a very different way. And 
for me, the hex crawl is not so much, you don't have to be very strict about you move through this hex and after these certain conditions are completed, you then move on to the next one and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. It's more about enabling your brain to process the information that's in the, in the painting or in the map in these kind of hexagon sized, bite sized chunks. And actually when I first brought it out, someone posted a comment like, so what's the condition for moving on from the hex? And I was like, I don't know when you feel when you feel like you're done. <laughs> right. How do I track supplies in Hieronymus? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that, and I kind of like the uh, that Hieronymus plays with exploration in a different way than some other Forge in the Dark games, but that still kind of has some things in common. To me, mm -hmm. you know, having that map might be different. You know, that it's a hex crawl might be different than the map of Dustfall in Blades in the Dark. That said, there is a similarity to my mind in terms of we have this map of Dustfall. It has a lot of names on it. It has a lot of details if you want to search for them. But ultimately, there, there still is an element of Blades, playing a campaign of Blades in the Dark that is like or akin to a map-making game like The Quiet Year or a microscope where you're still creating things within that space that are inspired by the other things that exist there. And in Hieronymus, you're imagining things that are new as inspired by Hieronymus himself. What about that balance of like providing detail versus like providing too much detail do you think Hieronymus touches upon and, and where might you take that in the future if you do another game, another like hex crawl game or another game inspired by space? I think that the detail versus too much detail question is always really mm -hmm. interesting because what you kind of want is you want to be able to ask questions of, of the players and the GM. You want to say, okay, what do you think this is? What do you think this means? Rather than, I mean, you can write a whole page describing what is in every hex, but if you do that, you probably won't be able to bring out your game ever. <laughs> so, and it will also yeah. be a bit of a pain to, to GM and play. So there is space for, for leaving things to the imagination. I think there's something that's very unique about Hieronymus that I don't know if I would be able to replicate with mm -hmm. another game again. I think there's something unique about, and I take no credit for it, but there's something very unique about the art where it has that amazing combination of you know exactly what is going on and you don't know what is going on at all. Yes. <laughs> that is a feeling that is very unique to, to that painting where you can tell this is hell. But you're also like, what is going on? <laughs> and it's kind of a feeling that I wanted to invoke of, of feeling a little bit out of place in a world that doesn't make very much sense and is kind of collapsing and breaking up around you. But then at the same time, you know precisely what's going wrong. You just don't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. That is a feeling I think a lot of people are quite familiar with anyway from their everyday lives. And I wanted to kind of invoke that into Hieronymus and the art I think just does that really well. I don't know if I would be able to invoke that particular kind of space in another game. I don't know of any other art or any other map that has kind of made me feel that way, mm -hmm. which I know is not probably the answer you wanted to hear. No, that's fair. <laughs> the, it's just such a unique kind of, it's, it's such a unique piece of art. It's, it's such a unique like style. I've, I've never really been able to, to wow. find something else that's similar. That kind of makes me think of a, a, almost a subtopic to our topic of 
you know, Hieronymus uses art that's that's old enough to bypass our arcane copyright laws <laughs> in regards to public use of artwork. As someone who obviously has an appreciation for classical art in this sense, is there something about using public domain art like that or even medieval art that really you you find appealing that you might do again? Do you have any suggestions for people who might want to use that kind of artwork or who might be inspired by that artwork? Yeah, I don't remember who said it, but someone basically said doing the paintings jam and looking at public domain older artwork, it, it really kind of changed the way that they were thinking about designing games for that specific game. Because usually when you design a game, you have a very clear vision and then you go to an artist and you say, this is the thing that I want. This is the art that I want. And if you're mm -hmm. looking for public domain art, you'll be very frustrated because nothing quite fits like the exact or stock art. Nothing quite fits the exact vision <laughs> that you have in your head. Right. But with Hieronymus and with a lot of the other games that came out of that, that jam, one of the things that was really striking is that people looked at the art first and they thought, what kind of feelings does this invoke in me? What kind of experience? There's another amazing one called A Disaster at Sea, which is all of these Turner paintings yeah. about shipwrecks and like these huge wild seas. And they thought like, what feelings does this art invoke in me? And how can I turn that into a game? Which I think I would definitely want to do again with a different set of paintings. I think they would be completely different from Hieronymus. I already talked about the kind of feelings that Hieronymus makes you uh, feel. But I think I'd like to do it again with some other kinds of paintings. Maybe Turner, maybe some lovely landscapes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just letting yourself be inspired by something to create as opposed to wanting to create and, and looking for inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think that's a really valuable piece of insight for perhaps a lot of our listeners. Like, I know myself, sometimes whenever I go looking to be inspired, it can take a long time <laughs> to find that thing that like inspires me to, to create or finish whatever I've started creating. Um, finish. Yep. The things that I tend to start and then finish very quickly are the ones where I like I let myself be inspired by something. Yeah, I, I, I would I would tend to agree there. Well, I think there are a lot of people that have very clear visions of what they want their games to look like and what they you know, what rules that they want to put in and all of that. I'm not one of those people. I don't I don't know enough about games to have very strong opinions on those right. topics, but I think that the, the thing that I always start with is how am I feeling and how do I want the people who are playing this to be feeling? So that was mm -hmm. definitely with Lichcraft, mainly what I was feeling was a lot of spite. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, with Hieronymus and with looking at any art, that's always a really good starting point for how to begin designing a game, in my opinion. Lori, with Lichcraft, which is uh, because we haven't said, it's a game about trans liches. That's correct, yes. Yeah. And with Hieronymus, which is a game about using Hieronymus Bosch paintings as a hex crawl, I think it's clear to me that you're very good at capturing just like a fun idea and like maybe even an kind of an obvious idea if you think about it really hard from like what might make a good metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any advice for people who might feel like self-conscious about 
like going into the metaphor a little too hard or what have you because because I think that you kind of show us that it's maybe a good idea. I think the best thing to do is always put the metaphor that you're going for right at the start of your game. <laughs> yes. So that people know what to expect. <laughs> but Right. I think that yeah, I don't I don't think you should be self-conscious because if you have an idea and you really like it, then it is probably good and it's just a case of e executing it properly. And I think there's more to games than just having a fun idea, but I've always found mm -hmm. that that's like 90% of it for me. And then after that, you just write a bunch of rules. Yeah, I would say don't be, don't be self-conscious. Everyone has something to say. And games are a good way to say it. Thank you, Laurie. I'm sure someone will appreciate that. That's me. That's me who will appreciate that. <laughs> so with Lichcraft and Hieronymus kind of in progress as far as like getting them out to backers and such and, and Kickstarter being successful. Do you have anything on the horizon, anything new that you're working on that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, so I think like everyone in the hack channels, I always make the joke that I have a million projects on the go. But one of the ones that I'm really excited about actually is a project that I'm working on with a lot of people who, who live in my local area. I, I'm, I'm an ex-student of Cambridge University and a lot of uni students uh -huh. around that area. And it's a game called Totally Normal High School. It's very different from what we've been talking about with Hieronymus, but mm -hmm. it's this sort of fantastic, whimsical game where everyone has their secret identities and you're either a magical girl, a mecha, or a metahuman defending the city from evil at night and trying to get through school in the day. And I've, I've been involved in kind of doing layout for it, but also a lot of playtesting and mm -hmm. watching the whole project kind of unfold has been fantastic. So I'm really excited for that to come out. And I have a few other things on the go as well, but but nothing that nothing that's on the immediate horizon for me, just in mm -hmm. terms of projects. I'm trying to take a break, fulfill Lichcraft. There's physical copies of Hieronymus now that you can get in the in the US and the UK. When can we get a medieval sized like tapestry version of witchcraft? How much would that go for? Was it a backer level? <laughs> I should do a Kickstarter where it's, it's just a <laughs> massive tapestry. Yeah. But I don't think I'm going to do another Kickstarter this year. <laughs> I don't think my stress no. levels can take it. All right. Well, thank you, Laurie, for sharing a bit about Hieronymus and about your other projects. I'm wondering if listeners want to know more about you or your games, where can they go? So you can find me on Twitter, if you dare, at, uh, at Laurie underscore E-E-E. -E -E, uh, so that says three E's. Mm -hmm. You can find me at laurieoconnell.itch.io. O'Connell has one L at the end of it because it's, it's spelled badly. <laughs> The other, I mean, the other stuff is that you, you can find physical copies now of, of Hieronymus at many RPG zine distributors in, in the UK and uh -huh. the US. If you look at Rook's Press in the UK or Floating Chair or Plus One Experience in the US or Project Nerves in the US, you can get those. And that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Uh, you can also always find me on the hack channels if you ping me, but yes. I probably won't be there otherwise. It's true. Yeah. And you can find me there as well. You can find me, uh, my work at moth-lands.itch.io, where I create various RPGs and um, also some, some templates for use 
in creating RPGs. I'm actually currently working on some templates for Stone Top, which is my current obsession. And maybe by the time this is out, those will be up. We will see. But you can find some of my stuff there. And also you can find me at Mothlands on Twitter, where I tweet about said games. And maybe you can also find links to my drive through RPG stuff where uh, I have physical copies of various products. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being here, Laurie. I really appreciate your insights into Forge in the Dark games and into Hieronymus. Well, this has been a great episode of Hacked in the Dark, a podcast featuring Forge in the Dark games and their designers. Again, I'm Justin. And remember, when it comes to design, we all begin our journeys as Hacks in the Dark. Mm-hmm.